I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Fuel your fun. Today, we're going to be talking about Hylix, a game that was developed and published by Mason Lindroth and released in 2015 on Windows and Wonderswan and <laughs> on <laughs> the Virtual Boy. This is just Windows. <laughs> but first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it'd be greatly appreciated. Hylix is an RPG. Uh, that is a true fact that I said. Um, but it is... <laughs> that is not the element of this game that it or anybody else wants you to focus on. Though it is your primary means of interaction. So we'll, we're going to be talking about it, but... Uh, just know, going in, that you're playing Hylix for a different reason than that. Yeah, if if you're a list, uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, and this isn't your first episode, um, we did a, po- a episode on Pocket years ago now um, on a game called Dujana that this game is kind of similar to, in the sense that um, it's a very weird, surreal um, indie like. RPG maker RPG where the um, the sprites were created from like claymation models and it just got like a it's like a weird tone piece kind of like deconstruction of the genre and in etc etc yeah except this one to me I mean I guess this is true of this is true of Duchamp as well this is another reason that these games are like marginally similar in that the the art that this game is trying to create doesn't actually have anything to do with video games. They're just using games as the medium uh, for this, like, production that they're doing. Uh, the, the claymation stylings in both games is a good thing, I think, to, to call out because... The very first thing that you're going to be slapped in the face with when you boot up Helix or even look into it for a second is just how strange the game looks. Um, with the exception of Wayne, your protagonist character, mm-hmm. which even that is kind of questionable, uh, don't have faces, mostly. They are vaguely humanoid, um, but that is pretty much the amount of person-to-person relatability you're going to be getting. Yeah, yeah, that is a good call-out. He is one of the only characters that has, like, a very easily distinguishable face. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of your other party members do, too. But, um, yeah, it's, it almost has, like, a weird, like, like something that would be on, like, Kablam. Like, it has, like, a weird, <laughs> like, late 80s, early 90s, like, surreal claymation aesthetic that's kind of hard it feels really familiar in a certain kind of way that i don't know how to describe yeah i associated it with um and this is like i shouldn't have associated it with this but i did Mm -hmm. uh was like early 90s uh mtv like bumpers the ones that they hired like the guy who did ren and stimpy to do Mm. animation for uh, that were all very surreal, and there was a lot of claymation being used at that time in those kind of a things as well. Yeah, I could, I could totally see the death screen, where um, the flesh melts off your face with like the weird background, totally being is like a bumper on MTV for some reason. 
<laughs> yeah, like to me, that kind of thing, that early 90s era of, uh, I, I want to say primitive, that isn't really the word for it, but like it's uncomputer assisted back in that time, mm-hmm. seems to serve as an inspiration as well as things like Earthbound, I think, have in the combat uh, and the combat screens uh, have a pretty clear inspiration on this as well. It's one of the few things that I sort of, like, pegged down with mm-hmm. this. Because a, a big theme of this is going to be me going, I understand that they're trying to do something, but I do not know what that thing is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, like, I, I really liked Dujana when we played that, um, because, like, it is very weird and surreal as well, but the story is, like, pretty engaging. Yeah. And, like, it's easy to, like pick up on a lot of like the themes and like what it's trying to say um you might not understand it fully but you can get like the basics pretty easily this game it's like hard to understand what's happening at all like all of the dialogue is super like like riddles or like it's like poetic and doesn't make sense yeah and that's the scripted dialogue some of the dialogue in this game is is ai generated it's uh they have like just random text that will show up when you talk to a character, uh, which does not help its case. Mm-hmm. Dujana was more accessible. It, yeah. It gives you something to sink your teeth into to actually begin a dissection of, whereas this is more absurdist and doesn't have a clear goal. I don't know. Like, to me, I, I don't see what it's trying to say as much. Yeah, same here. Like, I ended up um, really... <clears throat> engaging more with like just the rpg stuff yeah which is not what i expected um going in uh like i found myself like like the world map felt very much like a throwback to just you know like your old final fantasies and stuff especially Mm -hmm. because you get like an airship at the end (laughs) um which was unexpected and uh yeah and just like the getting the equipment and like managing all the rpg stuff was what i what i found myself engaging with the most yeah, it was like a lot of the game played as a backdrop to a very basic game system, which I don't know really, it doesn't hurt the game because I think that that level of unease and confusion is kind of what it's going for, but it also doesn't help the game that much because you you end up getting into it for one thing, being the weirdness of it and the art style. And then ending up engaging with something that feels like not a lot of effort was put into. Mm -hmm. Like, comparatively. Like, a huge amount of effort, obviously, was put into making the game look the way that it does. the aesthetics. And and the, the RPG, even, like, the game page on Steam, like, the thing that it says about it is, like, this is a recreational program with light JRPG elements. <laughs> and it's, like, it's a JRPG. Like, it's not light. That's the whole framework that the game is based on. But mm-hmm. it's obviously not why this product was conceived. Right. It's just kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it does... Um, the fact that it does... Um, you said, like, it it's trying to go for, like, a weird off-puttingness, um, like, for the player. And, like, that, I do think, was successful at the very beginning of the game. Because, like, you know, like, you you go up to your TV and it, like, 
says some random shit that like you learned you learn spells through watching the tvs but you don't know that at first it just tells you something yeah that's like incomprehensible and then like you go outside and like you just pick vegetables out of the garden and you don't know what that's <laughs> for and then you leave and like it's and you go to like the first town and there's just like people who spout nonsense at you it's and it's it, it is very like it reminded me of like playing like playing Pokemon as a kid because that's the first RPG I remember playing and like having to figure out how RPGs worked. Uh huh. Like yeah, it made me feel like, like, gave me some like childhood vibes where like it was like I had to like parse and like learn like what the what like, what the fuck everything was. Yeah, the experience of playing this game, especially at the beginning. Um... If I had to make a comparison between Hylix and, <laughs> and Breath of the Wild, <laughs> it's that both of them go, get easier as they go on. Uh, Hylix is a really difficult game to start out because you are given, by design, no instruction at all. You don't know what your goal is. Spoilers, you won't ever know what your goal is. <laughs> Uh, and then you are just sort of let loose. And the only way that they can really push you in the right direction is just by, is making it so that there's only really one thing you can do. It's the ketchup bottle method of directing players by just letting them bounce around until they're forced out the hole. Uh, and the hole in this case leads you to the greater city or whatever they call it in this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, and it takes you so long to like grasp that you're even making progress at any point. Uh, the game doesn't have experience points in the way that RPGs typically do. Uh, you get, you level up quote unquote, by like increase your stats on death and by using items, uh, and combat is impossible uh, until you have two party members at least. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you increase your health by grinding meat when you die, mm -hmm. and then you can up your stats by buying equipment. And yeah, yeah and like yeah, so it's all just like additive stuff onto your character, and yeah, you don't actually level up. But yeah, no, I I agree. Like I went up through that city and died to like the first enemy on the mountaintop. And, uh, yeah, it does feel like maybe I wasn't supposed to be there. Like, you do feel really directionless at the beginning. I did manage to kill a few things, just as my guy, my, oh. just as Wayne. <laughs> um, and then I ended up finding the second guy. Um, Good luck. Dead as, dead as Moln. Everyone's favorite character. Yeah, no, I've got fan art of Dead as Moln. Um, <laughs> yeah, he asked you to get him the ancient technology of a paper cup out of the ground mm -hmm. uh, so that you can fill it with water to get more magic, uh, more MP. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then once you have a second character, yeah, it does. It's crazy how, like, big of a leap in power you'll get or in like really short spans of time in this game yeah it's like the breakpoints are basically like when can you start actually reliably defeating enemies and when can you afford the better weapons mm -hmm. in the game and that's pretty much it um <laughs> it's really odd I, and honestly like the first thing that i had in my head 
about this game is what if Pac-Man was an RPG? Because I spent the first probably 40 minutes of playing this game just dodging enemies. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that did feel like I was just in a maze running around avoiding fucking Pinky and Clyde. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) <laughs> and it was it was off-putting, but also in a way that I found... I think that this game sets expectations really well, because I was off-put by this in the sense of it being a video game, but in the sense of it being like an experiential art project, it didn't, it didn't turn me off. It made me want to see where it was going. It just put up a lot of barriers in the way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It is, it is very intriguing throughout. Like, you don't know where it's going to go next. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was really surprised that guy on the mountaintop joined my party mm-hmm. after I helped him. And then after that, the game managed to surprise me every time. Because, like, after I got the second guy, I'm like, oh, when am I going to get the third person? You know, because I... I, I assumed we were going to get like uh, at least three party members um but somehow every time i i interacted with a person that did join the party i wasn't expecting it when they did uh so i guess that was an accomplishment <laughs> yeah it's like there's a definite uh, a level of care that's placed into crafting the party member characters more so than the npcs mm-hmm but not so much that it's immediately apparent. Like, any of the characters could have been an enemy or an NPC, and I would have just thought that was normal. Yeah. Pong Gorma, <laughs> the guy who I got last, mm-hmm. um, you do have to fight him. He is a boss fight before he joins your team, so... That's true. Uh, yeah, that... <laughs> Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce any of the names. <laughs> uh, Sammy Sosa, the third one that you get by going... Sams Nasa. Sams Nasa. That you get by going through their basement maze, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost explicitly Pac-Man, because the enemies there just kill, kill you in you, one yeah. hit. Uh, <laughs> is, is another one that, like, joins your party before you even do the thing for it, but we'll just leave if you don't finish it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another, like, interesting thing, because there's no combat in between the two points on that quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so it ends up being this weird, like, amassing of stuff. And then as soon as you get all of it, the game is kind of like... Once you get all, f- all four party members, the game is mostly done being hard i found mm-hmm. um which is a, a very stark difficulty shift from maybe the most difficult rpg system i've ever played to one that barely requires too much i mean there's there are elements of it that are complicated mm-hmm. but it is mostly pretty simple uh yeah like it- once you are able to like reliably beat enemies, you just get tons of money mm-hmm. and um, and meat. So you can like increase your health, and you can go buy like a million juice boxes. And if you have magic power, then you're just never really in danger. Mm-hmm. You can always heal, and the the dark flame spell is very good because it, it damages everything. Uh, I didn't actually end up getting heal chant until mm. I think. 
I want to say pretty late. It may be just stuck somewhere on the path that happens to be kind of late, but I didn't feel like I was like invincible when I had magic mm-hmm. um, until until way later. But I full agree on that dark flame spell. It's <laughs> that's real. That's the real shit right there. Yeah, and I think the TVs are like my favorite mechanical thing in this game because. Once you get the new characters, they don't have the spells you've already learned. So you have to like think back to like where the TVs were and like what spells they might have given you. Uh-huh. Um, if you can remember, or you can't. Uh, you might have to just go back and tag a bunch of them till you find the spell you want. Uh-huh. But I thought that was interesting. Like the world is small enough that it's not like too much of a hassle to go do, and it's like I don't know, kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's one of the things that to me belies. I have my conspiracy for this game. Uh-huh. Uh, welcome back to our regular se- segment, Chad's Conspiracy, about each game. Uh, we're workshopping the title. Um, <laughs> Chad's Conspiracy Corner? Yeah, way better. Um, see, already, making progress, <laughs> is that this game really doesn't want you to think about it as a game, and wants you to think about it as this like piece of abstract art. But I think the creator cared a lot more about the game than they let on in like public uh, press sort of release stuff for this game. Because if you were just making a game as a framework for this abstract thing, stuff like not learning the spells when you get a new party member wouldn't be something that you think about. It would be... You would just say, okay, we'll just put the spell list. Maybe they have unique spells or something like that. But no, they want you to go back and hit all the TVs again because it is like, because that's unexpected, because that does something that makes the player engage with the world because they have to remember where stuff was and actually make their way back to learn the shit. And I found I found all of that really interesting because I, I think that there was actually a good amount of love put into making this a reasonably complicated basic RPG system. Yeah, it's pretty solid, I think. Like it's it feels like something that could be fleshed out to support a full length RPG, like at its core. Um and uh yeah, there was also the um like there was like a underworld or like a dark world that you could go through to get to some snasa's <laughs> house. <laughs> Um, and I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's referencing things like, um, it, what was it in Earthbound, where you went to, was it like the... In Foresight? No, like the, um, like the, like the dinosaur age, where your sprites are really small yeah. on the overworld. Something like that, like some kind of weird shift in the overworld. I thought, I don't know, it just seemed interesting, and like it was like referencing a few different things. Yeah. I like honestly i really liked the way that the world opened up in ways that i wasn't expecting it to mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like a there on the map there's like a big expansive area there's tons of like dead space which i found interesting like there probably are secrets or maybe there aren't and the spaces are just there to fuck with you mm-hmm. but uh there are these big open spaces and one of them just contains like a big writhing brain mass that just poops out the best healing s- s- items in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like an enemy. Like, it's a different color than everything else on the map. And when you encounter it, it's this big, huge thing that takes up most of the screen. But it doesn't attack you. It just 
is there. You can fight it. Oh, can you? Yeah. If you, have, if you like, walk into it, you can fight him. Like, I, I, I know, like, I you, you walk around, you can, like, walk under him and, like, pick up the stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how you trigger it, but you can, like, fight him as oh. a boss. Yeah, I, I killed him. <laughs> I walked all around inside that goopy muck boy yeah. and did not at any point <laughs> trigger a fight. Mm-hmm. To the point where I was basically trying to and was unable to. Uh, yeah, you can. That's interesting. I don't know what exactly is the trick. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fascinating. Because I did. I just I was like, oh, he's just here to obstruct where the stuff is, so you have to walk around and smash the space mm. bar. And so I was on that screen for like a solid two minutes yeah. and just didn't encounter it as a fight. Yeah, it was a good example where like I fought him and then came back and he killed me. Uh and then came back with uh Pongorama, <laughs> and then just destroyed him mm-hmm. like it wasn't hard at all so yeah it's another thing that can illustrate the power shift yeah and, and just how much having additional action economy really means in an rpg mm-hmm. uh i want to talk about a couple of things mm-hmm. but uh and basically most of it is just Let's talk about the areas of the game and fighting and mechanics and shit. But before that, I do want to touch on the music because Mm. we were talking about the overworld a bit. And the game has a ton of original music in it. And it's all really strange. It's like chopped up and really minimalist mostly with a few exceptions that are kind of noisy. Uh, and it's all composed by the guy who made the rest of the game, so it's kind of like a one-man act here. Uh, and I found that to be interesting in a lot of ways. One, relating back to Dujana, um, they, uh, Jack King Spooner, who's the developer of that game, did a lot of the compositions for it, but they also pulled in, like, sort like small bands, presumably, like, local to him. I'm not actually really sure about that, but, Mm -hmm. like... Uh, to do songs for the game or use their songs in a licensed capacity. I'm not actually sure. Um, I think he explained this to us personally, but I don't <laughs> remember. Um, <laughs> and I know that Helix has a sequel, uh, Helix 2, that contains music both by the uh, developer and also by somebody else, which makes me feel like it kind of goes in the same way. Uh, and I, I do like this focus on these really, like, micro-produced indie games that have these really small music elements to them. Like, cheap music, essentially. Like, things one person can do. Yeah, it, it feels like it really, like, goes or, like, meshes with the visuals in a certain way. Or, like, they, like, emphasize each other. Like, the, the Dujana had, like, the concert... Uh, building in one of the towns yeah um and this uh game also has like an island you can land on where there's just a concert um and it that also felt super kablam like all the like it's like all these like little toys writhing in the audience um but yeah no it is interesting that that's kind of feels like a through line between the two games that they have like this kind of appreciation for music and like local music you know yeah like the 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 style of music the DIY style yeah, I like think the of it is appealing in your garage. 
And not with GarageBand. Yes. <laughs> or potentially with GarageBand. It's free. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's all really. I just wanted to call it out because it does, it brings the the tone uh, of the game. It elevates it a lot because it, it feels very abstract and weird when you're playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so fuck that area where you have to run away from statues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, I think, kind of lucky the first time. And I just kind of, like, was able to run through the area and maybe, like, three tries. But then I came back to get the Death Sage token. Mm -hmm. And fuck that. Yeah, so I thought that that was the way out. I didn't know that you could go beyond it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I spent probably, like, 10 or 15 tries just trying to lure that out. And then was kind of frustrated when I got the token and was not rewarded with an egress from my horrible nightmare. <laughs> Though I do feel like that, once again, was kind of the point of that section. There's mm-hmm. an NPC who's like, I'm working out my leg muscles to try and outrun the statues because I've died a lot here. I was like, okay, <laughs> at least they know. This isn't like a Final Fantasy X lightning strike plane yeah. thing where it just seems like they put it in the game because they thought it was a good idea and it just wasn't. This was a, a, a bad idea that they had and they thought was funny, so they did include it. Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't like it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit much, especially with the controls. Mm. Um, they can be a little sticky or, like, you'll, like, kind of just bump into a corner instead of, like, you know, rounding it like you think you're going to. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. I mean, that ends up being a lot of the difficulty in the early game, too, is just mm. not not being able to find a way to squeeze out between enemies. Yeah, but now you have to do it with more time pressure. Yeah. Uh, and then that ends up leading into, or potentially leading, it leads from, actually, uh, this dungeon area. And the game has dungeons, Mm-hmm. Oh boy, does it have dungeons. <laughs> like I said, all the ladders. Yeah, way more like an RPG than it wants you to think it is. Uh, yeah, where you have to go down all the ladders and hit all of the stone statues um, that have these enemies that are called ghosts. You can't attack with regular attacks. You have to use specials in order to hurt them. Yeah, you can hit them with regular attacks, but like the chances are super low. Uh, it's like a like a five percent chance to hit them or something like that yeah so you end up using and they have an attack that drains your mp yeah i'm sorry your will yeah um your willpower and so that like compounds like it's it is theoretically good enemy design and the idea that like this enemy has a weakness and they have an attack that specifically tries to get around that weakness but it's also concentrated that it felt very draining. Like, I don't think they ever killed me, but I was always frustrated by the amount of items I, I had to keep using. Yeah, so I got to that cave and died to one of those and then forgot what color the crystal was in the in the lower area that shows you where they all are, like mm-hmm. the map, and ended up going to some snasa's house instead um and then having to figure out uh how to get the boat back (laughs) 
because uh, I just figured it would like respawn wherever I was because mm-hmm. I'm used to modern games and my modern conveniences. Uh, but it doesn't, and then I had to like Google it. And if you go to the end of a dock and hit the interact button, aka spacebar, it it'll let you summon the ship. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, that was weirdly unintuitive. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know about that until a little bit later because I had a similar thing happen except with the airship. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I didn't have too much trouble with those enemies because I went and I stocked up on juice boxes. Mm-hmm. And if you just go in and have everybody use Dark Flame, like you'll just beat it in one turn pretty much. That tracks. That makes some sense. And, and you can just suck on them juice boxes and move on <laughs> and try to avoid some of them. Yeah. I actually didn't remember that you could buy juice boxes. Mm. I mostly subsided on items that I picked up from enemies. Um, I did up until that point. Uh, fair enough. Because uh, <laughs> I was I, honestly, like, near the end of the game, uh, I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I want to bring this up as a point later about how genuinely funny this was but you do get a bunch of money near the end and when i died to the final boss i really was dreading the idea of going back and buying things because i felt like it was going to take a long time and i knew that i could probably beat the boss so i didn't take any preparations and Mm. went straight in uh, for another go. And uh, <laughs> I think that sort of plagued me through the whole run where I was just like, I'm not really feeling like going back to buy stuff. Like, I think I went back to the main town once. Really? Yeah, in order to get uh, the fork, which mm-hmm. I knew was like a good weapon. And I picked up the uh, uh, ability to hold two weapons for Wayne at some point. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but that was it. I did. I was like, I'm not going back there because I'd have to go and walk up there and then go all around the city. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I can beat this stuff. So I may have made it slightly more difficult for me than I needed to. But yeah, I was so in the habit of like going back for like the TVs and stuff that I I went back to that town a bunch. Like I was always wanting to check the armor. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't sure if like the shop would update with more stuff. It doesn't, and I probably would have guessed that that was the case, but. Uh-huh. I always wanted to check. That is another thing. I never actually... I didn't go back to the TVs. The only TV mm-hmm. I revisited after I had all the party members is the one in Wayne's house because it's convenient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... I, I probably would have done it if I also was doing the TVs. Like, if I was really trying to, like, keep up with everything, I would have gone back to the town. Yeah, I, I wanted everyone to have the heal spell, the heal chant, yeah. and I wanted everybody to have... It's something about meat, mighty... No, my, oh, maybe mighty meat. Like the one mystic that, meat. Mystic meat, yeah, that gets rid of status ailments. Yeah. Uh, those were both very good, and I wanted everybody to have those. Yeah. And everyone just did have Dark Flame, because it's on... Bongaroma's TV, so I had everybody when I looked at that one. So yeah. we all had that. Yeah, that one. That one was taken <laughs> care of. The one spell that I didn't have on a character, and it was on Pongaroma because it's the last character that I got was Detonate, which uh, we'll talk strats in mm-hmm. a bit because I'd still feel stupid talking about it in this game. Uh, but we'll get to it. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, let's get to it now, because I forget where I was in the previous conversation. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so, the game ends with... 
two boss fights. Um, I don't know if there were other areas that you wanted to run over before we did this. Not really. I just, I was going to say that the like the two things that gave me the most trouble in the game were there's um, the f- boss fight to open the lock, uh, as in like the dam, like the lock to get the ship out of the uh, first area. I got to there with just two party members and had a hard time with it. Yeah. Um, and then the final boss, I had to do it like two or three times. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I did a similar thing. I got there with one uh, or with two party members and died to it. And then I ended up going to get a third party member because I just was like, where else can I go? Yeah. And that's, and took me there. And then, then I beat him on the next try. But yeah, the, the last two bosses in this game are a pretty significant step up in difficulty from everything else. And it's also where it feels like, uh, old Mason, mm-hmm. uh, was like, this is like RPGs are stupid. I'm done with this because <laughs> when you beat the first boss, you unlock a room that just gives you a haphazard amount of cash yeah, to buy the spaceship key. Yeah, but way more than you need because the spaceship key costs just under a hundred thousand. Yeah, I think it's a just in case <laughs> you hadn't gotten there yet, you don't just go spend it. I guess that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, they end up giving you like. Five hundred thousand dollars or something, um, and then when you meet the final boss, <laughs> you level it's up. So funny because it's just like bah, 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 fucking you. Uh, your character's going to level sixty three, and you're like, "What's a level?" And then you you look at the stat screen after you beat it, and like you, you all your stuff is like way yeah. You all like, your stats are way higher. Yeah, I think I had like fourteen hundred flesh on all the characters and shit. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It, it was pretty funny. Yeah. And I, I absolutely loved that, like, element of it, because it does just feel like this big, like, fanfare um, that would feel really good if this was a game that gave a shit about that stuff, but it isn't. Uh, and so it, it just ends up being really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, despite all of the, the free money and experience you get, mm-hmm. uh, I did find both the Mr. Claw, or whatever he was called, Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the CEO, yeah, and Gibby to be difficult fights. Yeah, I didn't have any trouble with the CEO character. Um, probably because I went back and bought stuff. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, I also didn't, but yeah, Gibby was hard. Yeah, I didn't die after the death statue area mm-hmm. until he killed me, and so I ended up like I think when I went back, I had like. I got, like, 90 extra health that I didn't have prior mm-hmm. uh, to go at him again the second time. And I did beat him on the second try. Um, but for me, it wasn't the Black Flame spell that really saved the the day. It was Detonation, which mm-hmm. just makes you go last and deals two and a half times your might stat. Uh, so it was just dealing huge comical amounts of damage. Uh and was just, I don't know, that was, like, my go-to thing. I also liked um, Pangorama mm-hmm. has a, a, a spell that is called something. It's a partial whatever mm-hmm. that uh, deals a quarter of their remaining oh, yeah. health. 
And that kind of tells you how much health they have. Yep. Which is one of those things, like in Earthbound, where you're like, that's kind of what keeps the battles tense, is that you don't know how close to killing the enemy you are. Uh, and so I liked that element of it. Mm -hmm. And so when I got that ability and actually used it, it was like, kind of takes the piss out of it a bit, where you're like, eh. I only used it on the final boss. Yeah, I used it on those two bosses, mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I also the the other spell that I liked was the one that you get from the sage tokens. I do not remember what it was called, but it was also really useful in the final boss because it can hit all three targets. Yeah, which m makes it easier. Same thing with dark flame. It's called either dreams or visions of melting. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's real good, and it I I only got. Four paper cups, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, it would drain my entire mana bar on every character except for uh, Desma, Desmond Pfeiffer. <laughs> De Dead is Malm. Dead is Malm. Uh, and uh, fucking Phantasmagoria. Mm -hmm. uh, because he just couldn't use it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just not uh, available. Um. But yeah, I also use it on the final boss. My final boss fights, plural, I did it twice, because mm -hmm. I died once, were actually tense in a way that I wasn't expecting from this game. Um, because because I on the first try, I got completely destroyed. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, I had like 400 more health than I did. Because on my second visit to the city, I killed every one of the cultists and collected all of their meat. Yep. Um... And so I came back in feeling a lot more sure of myself, and then Wayne died. And so I ended up finishing the fight with three party members, uh, because I ran out of warm burritos, of which I had two. Mm. Um, and so I had to, uh, to beat him with three characters, and it was actually really engaging, because I couldn't kill the second vital tree um, after Wayne died. I had to keep, like trying to save people mm. and then divert attacks to the tree to kill it because it will do an attack that heals the boss by 1200 hp which is a lot of mm. hp in this game <laughs> um and they did it twice during my fight and it took probably 20 minutes and it was it was very intense and the funny thing is if you booted up the game right now mm. wayne isn't level 63 <laughs> So everybody has like 1,600 health, and he has like 400. <laughs> it's really great. That is wild. Um, yeah, because for me, like Wayne was like the most important character, because like I used him basically to just like heal everybody and like buff them and stuff. Yeah. So they could do all the damage. So yeah, that, that sounds like it would be stupid difficult. Yeah, it was without really hard. Him. Yeah. <laughs> But in like a in a weirdly cool way, I felt good about it when yeah. I finished it. Uh, I will also say that Wayne has um, hypno patterns. Yeah, his uh, uh, the spell that puts people to sleep, and it targets the whole enemy team, and they give it to you from the very beginning, and it's really cheap, like mana wise, it's mm -hmm. like thirty or something to cast. Uh, and it's nuts. 
Uh, it's an extremely strong move. Oh, yeah. Uh, I never really used it. Oh, that's a mistake. Yeah. I, 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 this is a thing in, like, most RPGs um, it, with spells like this. Like, I, I used it a few times early, and it, like, maybe put one guy to sleep ever and felt like it just, like, the percentage, like, hit chance on it was too low that I just never used it. Mm. I used it. As the opening move in, like, every fight that had more than, like, two mm. opponents. Uh, because it does, it just takes pressure off of you, and you can focus people down one at a time. Uh, I think it's very strong, and I feel like it was intended to be used, but I guess I can see, like, making use of other spells probably mm-hmm. bridges the gap. Uh, but for me, it was, like, that move was, like, the king of moves for yeah, me. Yeah, it was, like, a lot of, for me, it was, like, a lot of, like, baton passing, like, one person's doing attacking while the other is healing. Um, and, like, it worked out really well in the beginning because I went back and got Dedesmoln, the item that lets him have two weapons, like, almost immediately after getting him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, having Wayne as the healer and then him as, like, the attacker was how I approached things. Yeah. Um. This is altogether too much conversation about the mechanics of this game. Yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divert slightly here, and potentially one of the last topics. I don't know what you have left there. Well, we've hit most things pretty yeah. organically, I think. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. I love organs. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to briefly mention uh, the battle animations and the battle, uh, like, screens as a, as a whole mm-hmm. i mentioned earthbound before and i think that's a pretty clear uh example of something that this is taking inspiration from because it uses these like very abstract difficult to look at like painful to the eyes backgrounds uh and the enemies have the same bizarro sort of aesthetic that mm-hmm. everything else in the game does but uh i love more than anything in my whole life the spell casting hand animations i think it's amazing i think they look really good uh and i just like them as as visual stuff mm-hmm. things to look at it's great <laughs> yeah no they're very cool um i i looked this up not that long ago but i still can't remember what they're called those toys that, like, have all the little pins, and then, like, you can, like, turn it over on your hand, it'll make, like, an imprint of your hand. Yeah. Uh, those things, uh, it, it kind of reminded me of that, because they were, like, a, like two-tone, like, black and white dots for the hands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like, the if you ever, like, used a vegetable in combat, it was like you were, like, summoning them out of the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those were all very cool. Yeah, they, they really, like... I don't know. They made me excited to cast spells. Yeah, the one the the one that gets rid of status effects. Like you, you like put your hands out, and there's like a brain book that just like you summon forth. Uh-huh. That was particularly good. Yeah, it's super mystic great. meat. That's the one. Yeah, and the the hypnospace outlaw, the hip, hypnotic symbols, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. uh, that puts people to sleep. You just sort of like twirl two fingers absently, and like these shapes appear in like a pbs kids bumper kind of way that i found pretty great also mm-hmm. just a lot to love with it like i think it there's a lot of creativity and and makes it very visually interesting yeah and there's one of the spells that one of the enemies can use in like that first uh mountaintop 
area above the the big city um that i i think it like can confuse you it gives like your party like a status effect like maybe blindness or something mm-hmm. and it has like a burst of color and like a twang on a guitar yeah and that feels super earthbound because mm-hmm. um ness's special abilities are like sigh rocking uh-huh. you know and it would make like the guitar sound effects yeah it's like Wah. yeah it feels like a direct reference there yeah it's really good and that ability i think is just called shining it's what the mm. cone statues that's do. it yep yeah that's the one fascinating <laughs> do we have pongorma thoughts uh my P- pongorma thoughts <laughs> are um this game i ended up liking like for reasons i didn't expect to like i ended up uh, in- engaging like with like the simple like simplified rpg elements of it like g- going back and like once i got in a new character and like getting them all the spells and like good equipment and stuff and like kind of because the game was so hard early like going back and like stocking up on all the juice boxes and like getting myself to a spot where I felt like kind of indestructible <laughs> felt really good uh, to do um, once I got later into the game. And uh, that ended up kind of being like the highlight that and some of like the mystery of the world was cool. Um, but I actually felt like the weird, like more artistic elements of the game, while they look really great, didn't feel like they had a ton going on in a way that I found kind of disappointing because that's the part I thought I was going to love about this. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like how like Dujana was. But um, I, guess I don't want to hold that against it because um, I did think that this was um, a, a cool experience to have. Like, I'm glad that I played it. Um, and I was always going to eventually because um, this definitely came across my Steam recommended after playing Dujana. So... Um, yeah, pretty cool little game. It's one of those, I I always uh, talk about this with like smaller indie games, but it's the kind like of one man, uh, product that feels like kind of inspirational, like makes you want to try and make a game yourself. Um, if you're anything like me, so, and this was no different. Um, yeah, it, it at the very least, like, like triggers my imagination and makes me think about it anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, not quite as much here as I as I was kind of hoping for, but I still had a pretty good time with it. Yeah. Um, the The question that I have to ask when I do these final thoughts sometimes is like, is Helix good? I think in a traditional sense, no. Uh, Helix is a really difficult to get into game. Uh, it has no direction given to the player. It's hard to grasp what your goals are. Uh, and what is important to actually playing and beating the game. But I think it brings a lot to the table in a way that is not the traditional way that games market themselves. I think that this visual style is worth... I mean, we didn't mention this at all. Mm -hmm. I got this game on sale for a (laughs) dollar. Not on sale. The game is $3. This game could be nearly anything, and it would be worth its asking price because it costs less money than a burrito. Um, And so, (laughs) like, that's almost a pointless uh, uh, qualifier. But I think that if the price of admission goes beyond 
currency and into like is this worth your time and attention the game's not very long it's extremely interesting and a lot of the stuff that is on show here visually musically and mechanically are worth seeing and and experiencing at least for a little bit so my final thoughts on this are like do is this game traditionally good i don't think that it is however is there space for not traditionally good games in the in the form in the medium and the answer to that is absolutely yes this is a really cool thing that does shit differently and is something that you're gonna remember forever (laughs) wayne's banana shaped skull is gonna be the last thing you see before you die (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to no clip pocket this week what are we talking about next time next time we're gonna be talking about another abstract game though now in a slightly different sense we're gonna be talking about audio surf the uh (laughs) it reminds me of there was like something that was advertised on 90s kids tv all the time where it was like your music is blah 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 i forget what that was Was the toothbrush it might have been the toothbrush that played music into your skull Mm -hmm. uh i always felt like audio surf gave me that kind of a vibe i just i remember when we were in high school uh, at a LAN party, you showing this game to me, and I just played it for hours. Yeah, like because like five hours. Because <laughs> at the time, in like two thousand eight or whenever it was, um, it just was seen like such a novel concept that it takes your game library and like makes them into little rhythm game levels for you to play. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be talking about that next time, and it's gonna be interesting. I swear. <laughs> By the moon and the stars. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. Let us know what team you're picking in the first Splatfest. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> you can find our discord server our twitter account our youtube links to the podcast on itunes and google podcasts uh and you can listen to all of our old episodes including the ones on no surprise here dujana and earthbound and earthbound uh we've done rpgs and we've done weird shit uh, so d- dig on back. You can listen to our episode on Only If, which is probably better than playing the game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our our pocket um, playlist and our RPG playlist, I think, will definitely tickle your fancy mm-hmm. if you find yourself here. <laughs> Fatum Vachula yeah, is or s- similar in that way. Undertale. Under- sure. <laughs> Etc. Yeah. Uh, engine sky plane Subaru that like button cast dark flame and kill three people in the comments section oh my god don't encourage violence (laughs) (laughs) click subscribe for more violence violence yes
Uh, can violence, yes, just be the name of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Ah!